How do we optimize our state of mind so that we can bring our best to the long run in sport and in life? I'm Eloise Wellings, two-time Olympic athlete, and together with my mental skills coach, Rory Darkins, we are here to help you unlock your marathon state of mind. Hello and welcome back, or if it's the first time, welcome to Marathon State of Mind podcast. Rory, I am super excited about this next chat. Uh, our good friend, Brett Robinson, is here with us to have a chat about his marathon career, his career so far. And Brett is the half marathon Australian champion and also the marathon national record holder. Brett, welcome. Hey guys, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Hey, um, congratulations on obviously the recent record. Um, definitely something we're keen to hear more about. Um, but maybe let's let's kick off by asking you, what, when did you get into marathon running, and when did you first think maybe one day I might do a marathon? Yeah, I. Um, it's funny. I don't know if you have spoken to him, but Ryan Gregson was actually kind of one of the first people that said to me. Um, that I'm going to be a marathon runner. I remember I was doing a long run at his house in Wollongong when he lived there with his family and uh, we were like running with some people and he just said, yeah, I reckon Brett one day will break the Australian marathon record. And like, I kind of like, kind of sparked something in my head a little bit. That I was like, oh, if Gregor believes it, he he knows what's going on. So maybe I'll start believing it too. So he was the first one to believe and I was the second person. So um, yeah, I kind of just wanted to, from there, always kind of had it in the back of my mind that I want to go to the marathon. I wanted to go before, um, well, while I was still running well, like I didn't want to wait until my body was breaking down and then go, all right, let's go to the marathon. I, I wanted the first year I ran a marathon, I also ran a 5K PB. Um, mm-hmm. And people were going like, oh, you sure you want to go and run the marathon? I was like, nah, now's definitely the time. Like I want to go um, when my body can handle the training because it, it is a big toll on your body. Um, so yeah, 2019 decided, all right, let's actually have a crack and um, found out very quickly how tough the marathon was. Yeah, I want to, I guess, take a moment to talk about 2019 because in your second marathon, you ran the New York City Marathon. We're just going to play a short clip of um, the interview after you cross the finish line. So the last marathon was a good one. This one, not so good. What's your take on the marathon so far? I don't know. I was <laughs> um just before we ask you to reflect on that um when I first watched that, you'd just broken the Australian record. Mm. And I'm like, the contrast is so interesting mm. to me. So what's your what's your first emotional reaction when you sit there knowing that you have the Australian record and knowing that at one point you're like, I don't know if the marathon's for me, maybe I need to yeah. go back to I was obviously so lost in that moment. Like I, it was actually my third marathon because I ran one, I DNF'd, right. then I ran London, which is pretty good. Um, and then New York, which I just had a shocker and yeah, I was just lost and I was just like, I said it there, maybe I want to go back to 1500s. Didn't even want to go back to 10k. I wanted to go as far away from the marathon <laughs> yeah. as possible. So 
Um, and yeah, after I broke the record, someone made a video, like they kind of, they put that um, clip and they put me finished at the Olympics, which was another bad run. And then shot to me breaking the record and, and like, yeah, seeing it like that, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I stuck with it. But um, yeah, I was, I was very lost at that time. Mm. And um, with, with that, I, I think what would be really um, interesting, you know, for, for us and our, and our listeners, because so many people who listen to our podcast, you know, they're, they're embracing challenges or thinking about embracing a challenge, like maybe they're going to run a marathon or maybe they're just doing hard things in life. And it's so useful to relate to like those doubts because I think it's, it's so human for us to have doubts about whether we're doing the right thing or whether we're capable of something. And so to that contrast of, you know, knowing what you've been able to do, but also, you know, going from that moment where you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to do another one again, mm. <laughs> um, help us to understand, you know, the contrast between your marathons at their best and marathon at their worst and what you've come to learn from each of those, you know, we can, we can drill into some of those experiences of, of the highs and lows and what you've learned. Yeah. I, I think I'm very lucky that I have a very good team around me. Um, like mine and Eloise's coach, Nick, uh, he always believes in you and even in those moments like he would kind of I think I guess I'm having that kind of emotional uh, battle with myself about what to do where he's just like takes that out and just kind of thinks rationally and is like no this is the plan this is what we need to change and this is what we fix but yeah kind of speaking on those highs and lows like I feel like with the marathon you invest like I feel like it's a month of your life and, and like I kind of like it that way though where I feel like I'm kind of going away um just putting everything into this and putting all my eggs in one basket um it makes me feel like i don't know like it's worthwhile and I, like i like the big the big moment of it but also which makes it so special when it works out but when it doesn't it makes it uh so like terrible and you feel like you've wasted your life uh in the in those first few months so um yeah it's like the times like with fukuoka when it worked out well and even in london which was last year as well um i didn't run near as good as i did in fukuoka but i could just tell that i was like starting to figure it out and like my attitude just fully changed like i could just going into my next races i was just like i was just a different person like going into like like i was thinking about different things and just how i was approaching the race so it is uh it is night and day about it is the end result but i think now what i do with um when i do have a bad result I still look at what that last three months and what I've achieved in the last three months. Like it's not necessarily just that last result that of course that like, that is like the, the icing on the top. But if I, I know with London this year, I ran okay. But then when I look at my three months of training, it was some of the best three months of training I've ever done. Um, and like, I learned so much in that three months. So yeah, the end result wasn't quite as good as I was hoping, but I could still take so much from that. Mm. And so I guess that's how I turned a kind of a bit of a negative race into a positive. Yeah. Love that. I love that. Cause it's not wasted. All of yeah. that, you know, the build up isn't wasted. It sets a foundation and a platform for the next one. Yeah, it is. When... And I think it makes it so special about the marathon is like, that you only do a couple a year and yeah. it's not like 1500 that like you have a bad one then you can have a good one the next week it's like you have a bad one you got to wait six months before you're kind of redeeming yourself um so when it does work out or how you want it's it's so special um but then when it doesn't you have to still find those positives otherwise it's just 
running's a tough sport and if you're just going good and bad it's going to be uh it's not going to be that fun yeah Brett, you mentioned earlier that you got into a really good headspace and you know you started to approach things differently what what changed like why why did that change and, and what did you start to think um yeah when it did change well so, so a lot of my bad results have been through this stitch problem or like spasm i get in my abdomen and i um i was just getting it so often and then i was like going to see specialists and thinking i'm like all right cool like i've, I've worked it out and we get into a race happens again and then uh, before London last year, I was the, in the days before the race, I was having dreams about getting the stitch, um, in the race and like, just wasn't sleeping well. And I was like, this isn't good. Like, this is not what you should be thinking about in the race. Like I wasn't even thinking about what time I was going to run, what pace I was going to run. I was just whether or not I was going to get the stitch. Mm. And, um, I ended up getting the stitch. And then during that, I just had this like, thought of this, uh, my, a coach I had when I was in high school and he said, when you get a stitch, just like change your breathing pattern. So I just like did that and I like started doing this different breathing pattern and it just like started helping with my stitch. And I was like, okay, wow, like that, that helps. So then in the next one, when I was going into Fukuoka, I'm like, I had a plan what to do. I just yeah. knew as soon as I get, I, I like accepted I was going to get the stitch. I'm like, okay, I mm. 25 uh, K I'm going to get a stitch. I know it, but this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, it was like the first time in my life I had a plan of what, what to do going forward. So I just, and then I was just like in the race, just concentrating on how like, how to run the race, like just being as comfortable as possible. I wasn't thinking, all right, is the stitch coming? When's it coming? Like it was just, I was just racing like I should be. Yeah. And uh, got the stitch, dealt with it, and then just went back to racing how it could be. So I could just, and then even going into London this year, I like I saw a physio who I'd seen before London last year, and she's like, I can tell there's just a huge difference in you. Like it's mm. just, I just am thinking about the race. I'm not thinking about the the stitch and yeah. Mm. You know, it's so interesting to me about that is I think, you know, w whenever you're doing something difficult, you know, it, there's this fear of the pain or the fear of the unknown of what it might feel like. And, you know, whether it's something you've had before, like that stitch or whether, you know, insert any type of, of potential pain or, um, or uncomfortable feeling that people might have, the apprehension about whether that's going to come on when it's going to come on what that's going to be like and whether you're going to be okay i think is so relatable mm. to you know to almost anyone who, who's doing doing something difficult like running a marathon so what i hear you say there is that actually just accepting that you know discomfort pain you know whatever that might be is is part of it and you don't have control over when or if that comes but what you do have control over is how you respond when it shows up mm. and you know to me that sounds like such a, a great insight and lesson that you've learned along the way of going you know what accept that it can come and yeah, it can come and i've got a plan and i've got got things i can do it's not gonna take me off course and i'm not you know not as afraid of it or as you know as concerned about trying to control whether it's gonna what it's gonna feel like and you know, Eloise, I remember when you um, first ran a marathon, I've said this before on here that, you know, you, you were always wondering like, oh, I wonder what it's going to feel like to run a marathon. And I think for, you know, if we can go, you know what, whatever feelings come up, I'm going to be okay because I can trust myself to choose a good response. You know, mm -hmm. I think that there's so much power in that for life, not just, you know, um, high performance in sports. So um, thanks for sharing that experience um, 
Also on that, um, I know another challenging time for you was um, the Olympics. Um, and I'm really interested to, to hear more about that experience. Obviously, it was really hot running the marathon. If you can take us into that experience and then, you know, the decisions you made after that in terms of um, your race schedule to kind of reset and, and come back even better would be fascinating to learn from. Yeah, so the Olympics, uh, yeah, obviously a very disappointing one for me. Like I going into it, it was a funny time with COVID and uh, and not really getting into race much, but I did feel like I was had been in pretty good shape and then kind of getting into the race and then just like, again, my stitch came and I just, this was the point where I had no idea what to do with it. And I'm just like, we're an Australian singlet and I'm jogging because like, as soon as I go hard, my stomach's hurting. And it was just kind of like, it's such a frustrating thing, like an embarrassing thing because like you're representing Australia. You don't, you want to go and, and be pushing as hard as you can. It, it, if the result's not good, but you push as hard as you can, you can still be proud of that where it's, I feel like I just couldn't because of this stitch. And um, yeah. So again, it was just an, an, another very disappointing time. Um, and this being on such like an international um on the tv and and seeing everyone seeing me cross the line like jogging across the line in 66 it was just kind of embarrassing for me really like it's the first time i've ever written a long caption on my instagram because <laughs> i usually would just say put an emoji or something stupid and i uh but i just like yeah i kind of felt that embarrassment i just wanted to say like i actually said to anyone i'm like if you know what's going on please reach out i had heaps of people reach out which was good but um and then yeah kind of moving forward like spoke to nick and nick's like all right let's just Peak Melbourne Marathon, um, which was coming up a uh, couple of months later, and we'll just focus on running that. It's it's not like uh, it's not a London Marathon level, but it's like one where I can just try to win and try to compete and go back to just normal racing and being a competitor, um, which was yeah like such a good thing for me because I got to get into a race, like run at the front with people, and then get past 35k and go all right how am i going to win this race and then and th that was kind of like changing my mindset into um instead of just like usually i'm just like holding on like <laughs> like trying to get to the finish line it's like no nah, you have to find out how to win now so i i think that i learned so much from that because i just knew i could uh like in that i could push at the end and, and i learned how to push at the end because no matter what pace you run you're always hurting a lot towards mm -hmm. the end and then to kind of to find that um that i could kind of find those extra gears and really dig deep um i think i learned yeah so much from that marathon and so it's kind of been that was kind of the start of when the marathoning career for me kind of made a turn like winning that one then going on to run sub 210 australian record and then like another one the other day um yeah but that was definitely such a turning point in my career yeah i remember talking to you i think the day before because we both ran the full Melbourne Marathon mm. that year and I asked you like how training had been going and you're like oh it's been okay like you you know you'd been a little bit injured had yeah. a couple of knee leads but you were still like I'm 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 doing this because I know it'll be really good for me and you know um yeah like you say learned so much and and gained some confidence from it what um your you know, you made the decision to not go to Commonwealth Games or, or the World Championships last year and do some shorter road racing. Um, and tell us about that decision and, and how you think that helped your the, the two marathons you ran at the, the back end of last year. Yeah, I kind of wanted to, like, obviously going to World Champs and Com Games is, like, 
and the Olympics. Like it is why you do running and you, and you do want to go and kind of represent your country. But I think coming off the Olympics, having a like a bad race, like I just wanted to get back to being a like a good runner, um, learning how to win races, and and I didn't want to go. I was a bit to be honest, I was a bit scared of going to Com Games or World Champs when it could be hot. And running another marathon in the heat when I hadn't figured out how to run a good marathon in perfect conditions. Mm-hmm. So first, I wanted to go work out how figure out the marathon first before then going to the championship in in the heat or something like that. So yeah, I went and did like a lot of the Australian races. I went to America, ran on the track a little bit, and then came back, did the Australian races, um, won a lot of races, and just kind of going into yeah the next London, I was just confident of how it was as a runner that I knew I could handle it. I had a good training block. Um, and, but still in the back of mind, it's like, all right, now I need to convert that into a marathon. Like I, I can do it over half an marathon, no worries, but can I convert that into a marathon? I think, yeah, just from doing that, like, I don't think I was ready to go to the common games running the heat just cause I, I still wasn't, didn't know. Um, but yeah, now I guess going into next year, the Olympics, like I know, um, like I'm still not 100 percent certain on the marathon, you know. I don't think it ever will be, but I'm kind Is of anyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, um, I, I will be kind of more confident. I know what to do with the marathon. It's funny actually. After um, after London last year, I Steve Monteghetti sent me a message. And I'm like, I think I've nearly got the marathon figured out, and he he replied and said, Well, let me know when you have. <laughs> <laughs> But then, and then the next one, I broke the Australian record. I said to him, I'm like, I told you, I told you, I knew we had it figured out. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, actually, that's a good segue because um, we've kind of led you into talking about some of the lows, uh, which is we're grateful for and the lessons you've learned. But there's just as much to to learn, if not more, from the times that things go, the times when things go really well. And you know, let's drill into your record run um i'd love to know how you were thinking about it going in and then your experience throughout you know that just over two hours uh, of running uh, which is phenomenal what was that like and and what were your takeaways about how you managed to get the best out of yourself in that way it was was a bit of a different uh lead up because i ran a marathon nine weeks before so it was a kind of quick turnaround uh which i hadn't done before um and the training was a little bit different just because I was recovering from one and then kind of building up for, for the next one. And, um, but I remember I, I just was feeling good. I did a lot more like continuous hard runs in, in this build up, and I was just like finding them really easy, which in the past I hadn't found them as easy. So I was, I was just confident going into it. And I, I write in my notes, like kind of a bit of a race plan or just, it's more just speaking to myself about the race. And like, that was where I wrote, like, you're going to get the stitch this is what you do to do with it. And like another thing I wrote was like, you can break the Australian record. Like I was just confident that I was going into it, that I knew um, that, that, that I could run something good. Like I'm, I'm always like aiming to go high and, and uh, but yeah, this time I kind of believed like I was in shape to do it. I knew the pace was going to be good. Um, I, I, like I, I would say the stars aligned for me that day too. Like I had, I had Jack Rayner pacing me, who was like my training partner um, one of my best mates. So I was with him during the week, which which helped having someone familiar with and eaten with. Um, and then he did a great job pacing. And then just the way that the uh, kind of the race went, like in that last fifteen k, we were everyone kind of stuck together. It just kind of dragged me on for for a good race. But yeah, definitely the stars aligned on that day. And and I just had 
the starting line, but he has to be in good shape as well. So, yeah. Yeah. You talk about, you know, Jack pacing you and like, we know, you know, you guys are great friends. Did you guys, did you talk to each other during the, the race at all? Like did Jack turn around and encourage you or like, what was there any, was there any talk happening at all during the race? Uh, not too much. I remember him saying like, as he was finishing, he like said something to me, but, um, I don't, uh, you've done the Japanese races before, but the packs in the first half can be huge. Yeah. And uh, I reckon it, um, at 20k there's still 25 people in in the lead pack which is like a bit of chaos but yeah jack was just kind of at the front but yeah so i never really got to speak to him but i think just having him there yeah and um having someone that you know will do a good job just was kind of like comforting to me i knew he yeah. just and he, like you look at the splits and it was just like especially three minute k's it was like 15 minutes 1501 14 15 it was just like perfect so yeah i think just yeah having jack there and like i didn't really know like i wasn't looking at my watch i was just like i was happy to just relax let jack take control and and just not even worry about it yeah i love that because there's that trust there when you know yeah. you've got a training partner that you know they're just going to take care of it and he's like your hype king up the front just yeah, exactly taking off taking off the case splits and you don't have to worry about it you just ride the train oh that's yeah, yeah. that's cool um question on that because you know you mentioned you weren't really looking at your watch there or, or needing to um something i've heard a few times from um our marathon record holder conversations <laughs> um there's sort of a bit of a theme emerging there of like not really fixating on time mm -hmm. um help us understand that for you like do you tend to not usually look or would you normally have you felt like in the past you've looked too much or what's your kind of relationship to looking at, at the time and the pace based on the goal you've got and and then what you understand works best for you with that yeah there's um i've, I've times when i haven't worn watches at all and uh and i'm like all right i'm just going to trust these pacemakers going to hit the times and i'm just going to sit in and, and then kind of when they pull out race the guys i'm with and uh Big, there was this footage once of when I ran the half marathon record and I, the last 500 meters, I was like looking at my watch, like every meter, every step, I was like looking at my watch <laughs> to see how far to go. And, um, and I'm like, looking at that, I got that's so embarrassing. I would have stopped wearing watches. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's in the marathon, like the, definitely the distance kind of takes care of itself a little bit. So I feel like if I'm getting to 30 K and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm 10 seconds below what I want to be or, or like, or slower than I want to be. I can't just change and just start picking it up because I'll probably in, in 5k be blowing up. So yeah. I feel like I, I do wear a watch now. I check it occasionally, but I'm not really concerned on, on what the splits are um, mm. because I feel like there's not much you can do about it. And if you think mm. if you're trying, if you're doing too much with it and not like naturally run into how you feel or, or the pace your body wants to run, you're going to end up in a bit of trouble. Mm. That's so cool because I, th I feel like we've when we're doing hard things we've kind of it's so normal for this like inner critic you know to start getting pretty loud and start judging us and feeding us you know negative thoughts or projections about what might happen um and i feel like most people i've heard talk about you know checking pace and, and whether they're on track you know it just turns the volume up on that voice mm, of exactly. judging like how am i going how am i going yeah. as opposed to just being in it and as you say being in tune with what you're feeling and and running the right the right kind of rhythm or effort for for where you're at, at that time yeah i feel yeah if i feel like if you're not on perfect pace it allows that voice of judgment 
to come in because if you're five seconds under for the first K, it's normally not good either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. You're, you're normally like, oh crap, I'm going to pay for this later. Yeah. And if you're five seconds over, you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm five seconds too slow. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, oh, I feel so like I could go to get to 30 K 30 seconds under or 30 seconds over 30 seconds under is a lot worse than 30 seconds over. I'll pro- mm. I might finish at the end, just 30 seconds over my goal time. Where if I'm 30 seconds under at 30 K, I could finish like a minute and a half. Yeah. But that negative uh, voice isn't going to come into my head mm. really because I'll get it. I'll get it for the if I'm slow, but I won't really get it if I'm fast. Where yeah. sometimes you need it. Pretty, yeah. When you're fast, yeah. go. Hang on, <laughs> slow down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so, what does it feel like for you when you're running well and and you know you're really in the groove with it? What does what does running feel like? Yeah, um, easy really. Mm. I think yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of just feel like I can just. I, yeah, I feel light and just like I just float along like effort, effortlessly, I guess. Mm. Um, my stride just feels long, like I'm not really forcing it. Um, yeah. I feel like there's times where if if I'm not running um, well or moving well, like I'm just like kind of battling against my body mm. where when I'm, yeah, I feel like I can just kind of effortlessly run fast and free. Yeah. Like it's not really, not that I'm, hitting a certain time like i don't go off that it's just how i feel if i feel like it feels easy is kind of the best way to describe it for me what do you say to yourself when you're going through a bad patch in marathon um i kind of uh expect it so like yeah i guess i guess i um just go okay like this is supposed to happen in the marathon um Mm. it's like you're not probably not going to have a marathon where you don't have a bad patch. So I don't know why I should be the lucky one to not get it. So I shouldn't be. <laughs> um, so if, when I get, it, I go, all right, let's just go. I'm going to have a, a bad patch for a bit. Let's kind of deal with it. Um, if I need to kind of drop back the pace just slightly, I'll, I'll let myself do that. I'm like, I'm not worried. I'd rather do that than, uh, and I actually did that at Fukuoka. Like I feel like I was having a bit of a bad patch and I just kind of, just dropped back just ever so slightly and kind of then got through it and was like, all right, now I can go again. I felt like I then I could pick it back up. Um, mm. So, yeah, I just I think coming to terms with it and just accepting it is, is the best thing that I do with that. Yeah. Is there a correlation between your bad patches and your stitch or your bad patches and the, like, the amount of glucose that you have? Yeah, is it more likely to happen for you after 30K or? Like- yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely more likely to happen. Yeah. Around the 30K or so, Mark. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah I, I'm not counting. When I'm talking about a bad patch, I'm more just talking about my feeling, not, not really my stitch. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's more just like that I feel like the effort just starts to get harder all of a sudden or yeah. just my legs start to feel heavier. Um, or I might drop off the drop off someone a little bit and I find it hard to get back on. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it, it, which obviously is probably a energy thing that yeah. I'm starting to run out a bit of energy. Yeah. I'm interested if with, you may not know the answer to this. I'm, I'm not sure how closely you pay attention to your splits afterwards, but when you say like you allow yourself to pull back a bit and it, knowing that you're probably not really checking your watch that much, did it actually end up being much slower? 
or was it just a relaxing um, of, of kind I, of you know, yeah I had, I had one kilometer that was 311 so yeah. about 10 seconds slower um that was also just into a wind and i think with a turnaround as well so um i would say i had maybe a couple of k's that were maybe like four or five seconds slower okay yeah. mm-hmm. um then the funny thing was like i kind of must have looked and it was 32k and then i looked at my watch i was like all right 10k to go and then i like i'm like oh, i feel good like let's go and then i um i looked like at 33k i'm like oh i think i just ran a 250 and then uh, <laughs> and but then I, I went back and looked at my watch like i ran a 256 but then i was just but it was funny like in that moment i was like oh yeah i'm flying here i'm gonna like i thought i was gonna run like sub 29 for the last 10k i was like <laughs> thought i was gonna run like 205 for a second there and then when i ran 207 i was like oh it wasn't going as good as i thought <laughs> But I was, I was going fine. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I love how just even in the way you describe those moments, like there wasn't this big battle or this big sort of, you know, judgment of this, you know, this kind of whole conversation about, you know, you're going too fast, you're going too slow. It was sort of very like there's this kind of non-attachment really to the time where you were allowing it to be what it was and then, you know, just choosing a good response based on what you felt was right in the moment. And I think that's such a big takeaway that like... Yeah, I think that's something that you've always been really good at is like not attaching yourself to any feeling necessarily and going, oh, this is all right because I know I'm going to get through this and I just need to give, I need to give myself some space to like relax a little here. And then when I feel good, I'm going to lean into it and I'm going to go again yeah. and I'm going to run a 250. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I think I just set like little goals. Like, um, I don't know. One goal I've just made is like running as fast as I can for that last 10 K. So mm-hmm. I kind of, even in the few Ks before I'm like kind of saving myself to get to that 10 K and then, and then change. Yeah, but, cool. And then I'm like, I guess there's people like up ahead, like probably at 32 K I was in maybe six. So it was like, all right, let's, catch this next guy let's catch this next guy so um i think they're just little like goals that just kind of yeah keep me going in that Mm. last 10k you know i just want to pick up on that because what you're describing in terms of having a clear goal is like one of the most important ingredients to get into a flow state and when you say clear goals you know often people think like you know the time you want to run in the end like the big goal Mm. But what it really means is is actually in that moment, what are you trying to do? You know, and those things you just described about, you know, try to catch up to the next person or, you know, run the fastest you can over the last 10K, those sort of almost micro goals of a really yeah. clear aim are what enable you to get into flow. And then what pulls people out of flow is self-critique or judgment. <laughs> and so I think what you're, what you're doing there by breaking it down to like, what's the what's the main thing right now in this section what am i trying to do it's super clear then you just commit to that and then you know the next thing you know you get to the next stage and and then there's a new goal i feel like that's there's such a great insight there about well that's how you end up achieving you know the ultimate you know goal or Mm. aim that you're after it's not by going i've got to run the australian record got to run or the the whole way it's by breaking it down to like this section how do, yeah. I, how do I best do that? And I think that when I, if you ever read in my notes, like what I write about a race, like I'm definitely just breaking it down into certain parts and what I want to achieve in that section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, cool. Like the first 10K is just kind of not going five seconds a K first, um, too fast the first K and, and kind of just getting in a pack, getting in a good position, just relaxing as much as possible. And then, yeah, move on to certain pace, certain parts, um, get into that last 10K just trying to catch the next person in front of me. I even write uh, like kind of some 
certain things to think about in that last 10k as well it was just that uh kind of will take me away from any pain or mm. um yeah so definitely having those little micro goals throughout the race yeah what awesome. do you what do you like to think about yeah so um this physio or masseuse at um london marathon last year she was just like this welsh like larger than life lady <laughs> and she uh just was like when you when you get to 30k to start thinking of flamingos and i was just like <laughs> all right so yeah like i started thinking about flamingos um but then i want to see i'll see if i can quickly just get it up but i um so that's like one of one of the things that i that i do but um so yeah think of flamingos think of fabi who's my granddad and think of mori who's mori plant yeah like that was just like three things that i uh and yeah, and then also before that it's like um uh, if it can't, let's like, so forget the stitch, two deep breaths in through my nose, one breath, hard breath out, breathing out on the left foot strike, can lean into the left and take take a right side bend. Remember forward lean, remember not to pull my right arm too far back. Mm. And then think of Flamingos, think of Fabi, think of Mori. Cool. Go and do yeah. it. Yeah. Talk about a process. Like, well, talk about. Uh, it's, my notes is huge as well. That's like, awesome. It's, though, <laughs> goosebumps. I, yeah, it's, it's really cool because I think so much of, you know, getting the best out of ourselves comes down to, you know, focusing on the process and mm. when you say focus on the process it's like well what does that mean and what it means is something different to each individual you know and what you've just described is you know is a great process that you've that has relevance and meaning to you you know there's there's two people that you think about that have personal significance to you that yeah am i right in assuming they kind of you know like there's an emotional kind of connection and, and sort of deeper motivation that comes from from yeah yeah, from that sure. and then that's kind of balanced out with you know there's the, the kind of random yeah. like hey keep <laughs> yeah. it light you know keep it light be free you know that i would imagine that sort of just counterbalances it being too too serious and yeah and then there's the tuning into your body you know and i know that you've you've done that in the context of of the stitch but i think for anyone like having ways that they can tune into their body and you know we can we can control things like you know how we how we breathe out you know and 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 tuning finding those things that keep us back in the moment like that that brings us back to the here and now mm. and takes us away from you know oh, what's going to happen am i going to be okay in 10k or what's the result yeah. going to be or you know it just brings us back to this moment right now how do i best be me and um that's such a, a great example of you know of a process that's unique to you yeah i feel like having with, just with the stitch things i haven't just them written down i can just straight away go as soon as i like feel it i'm like all right these are the things i do and i just come straight back to that mm. focus on that and um that's just yeah. all i worry about in that moment and deal with that and then go back to other yeah. things um can i just i, I want to you're probably like a world expert in the stitch now um <laughs> <laughs> probably not by choice but i know that there is something that a lot of people you know can relate to of you know at some point in their life they've gone out and done exercise and and felt the stitch and they don't like that feeling and maybe you know for for some people that's something that puts them off you know off um doing certain exercise and things like that but what have you come to understand about the stitch and you know I, I know there may be various different causes but what's your what's your take on it and and anything helpful that you might um, be able to share with with listeners yeah it's uh it's been a long journey of seeing a lot of specialists and and changing things and 
Um, so I changed a lot with my diet to sit and that didn't really have any effects. So we kind of could rule out that it was uh, anything food related. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess for anyone that is getting stitches, definitely have a look at food because it's probably mm-hmm. like one of the most common uh, reasons. But yeah, like eating too close or not being hydrated enough. But yeah, for me, none of that um, s- seemed to change. Um, but then when I, yeah, last year in London, when I changed his breathing pattern, so I just started doing these like two really deep breaths into my nose, like trying to like down as deep into my stomach as possible, mm-hmm. kind of pushing my diaphragm out and then I'll breathe out pretty hard. Yeah. Um, so it's still like no one really knows exactly why, but um, speaking to some people after that, it's just kind of like I'm really using my diaphragm in that moment and mm-hmm. I'm kind of, it might be getting a bit of spasm because it hasn't been used. And then I, I'm a very like rhythm runner. So mm-hmm. I probably breathe out on my right foot strike for every single time. Um, so if I do that for 75 minutes, like 20,000 times, mm-hmm. um, then I, yeah, so it's like kind of constant, just pushing into that, that right side. So then I'm trying to, when I breathe out, when I do that breathing pattern, I do it on my left foot strike to try mm-hmm. to change the side of my body. Yeah. Um, so that's what has helped me. Um, it's still like, it still comes. I still don't know why it helps or, or and what it's actually doing, but mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, stitches are a big mystery to people, and the yeah. hardest thing is because I can get it, and then if I'm in London, like I can't see someone for mm. for a week until I get back home, or even when I get it, it's like the next day I might be a bit sore in the area, um, and the physio can poke around and I'm like, oh yeah, you're a bit sore, but I like, don't really know why, mm. so it's hard to get those answers as mm. it happens. Yeah, yeah. Is there something? Is there something you've been able to work on in training at all, particularly like with the breathing pattern? Um, cause I imagine that'd be a tricky thing to, you know, to yeah. breathe out on a certain foot strike, you know, in the moment, if it's the first time you've Yeah. Been. I've been doing a, a little bit in training, but I don't like, I don't get it at easy pace. I like, want to do my long run. Like obviously yeah. I go long, but I, it's cause it's at a fairly easy pace. Like I'm not really putting that strain on my, on my breathing system. So mm. I'm not getting the stitch. I only get it really at race effort yeah. once I go for like 75 minutes or so. So it's, uh. Yeah, it's only kind of the race situation when I do get it. Like I do, I have been trying to practice it more in training, but um, yeah, it's hard to do when you're not really getting it. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, totally makes makes sense, and mm. um, that's helpful helpful sharing that. Hopefully, you know, yeah. first thing you look at, you know, look at if there's anything with nutrition, and then also, you know, um, I'll do everyone a favor, and I won't go on a deep dive into breathing right here because I know I can do that. Um, <laughs> I don't ever have a doing that. So well, it's, it's funny though. I actually, um, after I started doing it, I saw this um, podcast. Um, it's like the Huberman. Yeah, human um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just said, runners, if you ever get a stitch, do this. And yeah. it was the exact thing I was doing. Yeah, and yeah. then there was a, a, I think it was a um, physiological sigh, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. That's and it's, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and like, so that's the exact thing I'm doing. Um, and he said for people to get anxiety, it's like a good thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why that's helping me, but it is helping me somehow. Yeah. If it's, um, so just to be, as soon as you brought that up, I think you just so people understand up. how to do it, I'll be real quick. <laughs> it's two breaths in, like can, instead of breathing in and out, it's actually two <clears throat> inhalations. So you breathe in through your nose till... You know, you're mostly full and then you take a second breath in to fill right up and that hyperinflates the alveoli in the lungs and means you can get maximum um, exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide. 
and then the exhale can then be through the mouth or the nose after that and you want it to be like a nice easy long exhale and so that is kind of something we actually always we all do that naturally without knowing it from time to time and and even like horses i'm pretty sure do it it's like uh that's why they call it a physiological sigh but it's something we use to reset the breathing rhythm and it can help you to um help you to then get back into a a more comfortable breathing rhythm and and almost this bit of a reset on the system so it's not something you want to do too many times in a row because you can over breathe if you do that um but you know do a few of them you know do one or do you know um, a handful of those in a row and, and just play around with it it's one of the one of if not the fastest ways to bring our system our kind of arousal down like help us to you know if we're not running and we do it we'll usually feel pretty calm after doing a couple of those um but obviously whilst running it can help be help you do a bit of a reset and i know it's something that you've used LOS. yeah well we normally do it we naturally do it when we cry right like mm. i can't imagine you being a massive sobber <laughs> brett but like, um you know when he's if you hear a child crying and they're trying to calm themselves down they will naturally yeah like, and then yeah. slowly breathe out that's what we would naturally do i think as adults we kind of forget to do it but i i actually do it after going through a drink station so mm. that because I find it really hard to drink the fluids whilst you're running at pace. And then, but to reset my breathing rhythm, I take two in and then breathe out slowly on one. Um, and I do that a couple of times until I feel like my breathing is in a normal r- rhythm again. Yeah, so yeah. it seems to be a good thing. So, yeah. and um, just really quickly, how did you start doing that without? Someone no, tell me yeah, so I just had this thought of this high school coach that told me, uh, like, yeah, if you ever like get a stitch, just kind of like change your breathing pattern, like breathe in yeah. twice, breathe out once. Yeah, right. I was like, all right. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he had like a <laughs> like a scientific reason yeah. behind it or he was just like kind of saying it, but it, yeah, yeah it's, wow, it's so like, and literally like I hadn't thought about it in I don't know, 15 years. Yeah. And then it just came to me in that moment. I was like, all right, I'm just doing it. And then I'm like, hang on, this is working. Yeah, wow. That's so cool. <laughs> that is cool. Because I bet you had like thousands of people message yeah. you after you reached out after the Olympics and with a myriad of lotions and potions. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, obviously all it has taken to kind of get the biggest impact is listening to your high school coach. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's good. So cool. <laughs> Um, Brett, you're an ambassador for the Sydney Marathon yep. and we are in the exciting race for candidacy um, yes. for the Sydney Marathon. And I want to know, there's loads of people that are on the cusp of um, running their first marathon. I want to know, and I'm sure that they want to know what you felt like, um, what what you were thinking and if you had any fears or doubts before you ran your first marathon? Um, yeah, of course I had fears and doubts. I, But I think that's what made it so much more worthwhile for me. Like mm-hmm. it felt something just more than doing an, another race, a track race or a, a 10K fun run or a half marathon. Like this, like it just felt like I was doing something that, I don't know, it meant a lot more to me. Like even before I'd done it, like it just – had had more meaning straight away so i was just yeah i was like excited for it scared for it as well which it's it is going to be scary it's it is a long way like there's no uh 
no hiding that fact. So I think, yeah, but yeah, I just think everyone should put themselves out there and really see. Like I, I know some of the happiest people I've ever seen as at the finish line of a marathon. Like if you ever go to like even like Melbourne Marathon, like you finish the MCG and there's like hundreds of people around the like and the energy there is just crazy. Like everyone mm. is so happy. End of London Marathon, it's just like such a good feeling. Yeah. Um, and it's just because it is, it's not just that 42K of running that they've done. It's the months of training leading up to it. You achieve something that you, like you will be so proud of. So mm. um, uh, yeah, I, I just, I wish everyone in their life would run a marathon at one point just to uh, get kind of get that feeling. Yeah, yeah it's good advice from the Australian record holder. Yeah, and um, <laughs> on that note, like, what has the marathon taught you? Yeah, um, definitely just to kind of keep at it. Like, I like having, I guess, a few bad ones. It's it's uh, kind of taught me just to keep trying and keep having a go. And 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 if you really want something, like, you'll kind of find out a way to to get what you want. Like. I um I could have given up many times in the marathon and 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 I guess you can talk about that as my marathon career and also in individual marathons like mm. you get to a point um at 30 35k where you want to give up and and everything in your body is telling you to give up um and you kind of will find that part of your body that's saying no you're not going to give up and it'll overpower the other one and and you will kind of get to the finish line and like yeah, it's just kind of definitely makes you a stronger person. Mm. Yeah, epic. Love it. Rory's rap. Rory's rap. Hey, um, Brett, thanks so much for coming on today. We firstly, congratulations on, you know, the record that you now have. You know, it's no mean feat, no small thing to, you know, to be the Australian record holder over, over the marathon. But you know, what you've shared with us today, I think is so valuable to think about how we can go from having a, a kind of snippet of belief of like, maybe I can do that. What someone else said, I might be able to do that. Like Ryan Gregson said to you mm. about, yeah, you can break the Australian record. And you weren't sure whether you could believe it or not, but you kind of allowed yourself to just go with that thought enough to, to sow the seed and to follow that seed. And um, you know, and commit to the process. And, you know, so many times you've had those moments where you have been faced with, you know, a disappointment and, you know, pain and, and the unknown of, you know, whether things are going to work out, whether you're on the right track, whether you're doing the right thing. And I think what's so valuable that you've shared is that at each stage, you've made a choice to move toward what you know matters to you and what you know could be possible. And you've allowed that that seed to grow and um you know i think sitting there today knowing you know looking at what you've achieved and you've still got so much more ahead of you i think you know is, is testament to the fact that it it's the voice that we choose to act on you know do we do we act on the voice that doubts you know what might might be or the the voice that fears what it might feel like or do we act on the voice that goes you know what just take the best next step you can commit to the process, you know, and, and imagine, like, allow yourself to believe that things can get better, things can work out. And um, last thing, you know, I think super valuable from what you've shared today is, it's just how you can achieve great things by what you do in the small things, you mm -hmm. know, breaking it down to, you know, this section of a race and, 
and allowing yourself to pull back or this section of the race and you know just focusing on you know trying to catch the person in front of you you know those really micro goals those those small things that you come back to focus on and, and just doing it your way I think you know turn into great things and you know that's something that we can all reflect on and go okay what is what could be possible for me that inspires me and feels really meaningful albeit a bit scary and how can I learn a process that will help me to move toward that and when it doesn't work out how can I take the good from that that's helpful the learning and then put that into what's next so um, you know so many great lessons about you know that relate to obviously running uh, having a good marathon experience but also you know can be transported into anything we want to do in life so um, thanks for that and congratulations on, on where you're at and you know we're super excited as well for, for what's next for you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. You wrapped it up pretty well. I think. Uh, <laughs> that's and if anyone idea. gets a stitch, reach out and uh, yeah. chat to Brett because yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's an expert now. <laughs> yeah, I do get. I get heaps of people reaching out to me about it. So I'm not an expert, but I'll say what yeah. works for me. But, yeah, yeah, cool. Thanks, Brett. Thanks. Uh, thank so you much, for having Brett. me. And where can people follow along and and stay you know, stay connected to your journey and what you're doing? Uh, yeah, well, I guess on my Instagram, um, also my own kind of podcast, not quite as uh, serious as you guys, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can definitely hear about my training and um, and yeah, what's going on in my life on that. And so. podcast name for those, uh, re- I'm sure most people know it, but <laughs> for the kudos, for the kudos, awesome, so good. Thanks so much, Brett. Thank you. Appreciate it.